As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined as ever by Greg Evans and Holly Percival and after what feels like quite a long time guys, we're going to be able to talk about an Aston Villa win. We begged for it last week, Greg. We were tired of talking about non-wins. Now we've got that elusive win. Yeah, good morning Dan, morning Holly. Um, Yeah, it's finally a Bit of positivity on the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, great for Villa to get back on track and hopefully this kickstarts their season now. Holly, are you well? Absent last week? I can't remember why. There's always various reasons why you're not here, but I can't remember what <laughs> last week's excuse was. Excuse? Uh, good morning, first of all. Um, no, I was handing the keys over to my old uh, flat uh, because I, I was in the process of moving and they were quite stubborn and would not let me change the day all the time to hand those keys over. So I could not be present, but I hope those audio files made it to you guys okay. <laughs> They did. Um, they're, they're, they're very, very detailed. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I feel with with streaming is when it's to to people who don't really know much about it, is it needs a bit of an explanation. Um, otherwise, it comes across quite weird. But anyway, I, I was kind of slightly glad to not be on last week purely because I couldn't deal with talking about another negative performance. But this week is great return with a win, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Brighton nil, Aston Villa two. Greg, as predicted by me, I can't remember if I predicted it in front <laughs> of you, but I did, predict, I did predict that we'd go and win two 0 based on absolutely nothing but blind faith and just thinking we need to win. But they've done it, and it was a good day out for you, I suppose. Yeah, good day. I, I like going down to Brighton. I think I mentioned it in, on the last podcast. Uh, I didn't stay over this time. Um, sort of just went down there and, and come straight back. Uh, no issues on the motorway for once as well, which was a bonus. Uh, but yeah, good performance from Villa. I think they pretty much went back to basics, you know, defenders been defenders, midfielders been midfielders, etc. Um, and uh, and they got the job done. So yeah, impressive. Quite similar to the Everton game, wasn't it? Other than the fact, obviously, we won 2-0 instead of 1-0. But it was, it was just a bit more resolute, a more away performance, the kind of thing you want to see when you go away from home. Yeah, and and Villa, Villa to be fair under Stephen Gerrard have done quite well away from home. They've they've won four games. Only Man City have won more um, under in in the period that Gerrard has been in charge. So that's a positive. Villa seem to be getting it right on the road. 
Um, a little bit different to the Everton performance. I think Villa were a little bit more open at Everton. They, they conceded a few more chances um, and were, were a bit more fortunate to get the win. I think they were f- f- um, fully deserved of, of the win at Brighton. I think they really deserved it. Uh, yeah, Brighton. Brighton started well, but were poor after Villa conceded. Um, and it just felt like Villa controlled the game from there. Brighton haven't got the best home record, Holly, but still, you've still got to go there and get something. And like Greg says, it, it was relatively comfortable in the end, but it was a much-needed three points. Greg talks about the away record, but I think if we were at one win in eight or one win at nine, it, it was imperative that we went to Brighton and won, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I, my heart said 2-0, uh, and my head... But my head said one nil to Brighton, and I, my housemate Dana, she's a Brighton fan, and, and we watched the game together. And she was making me very stressed that Brighton were going to be able to pull out a really positive performance against us. And so to watch kind of Villa, even though they didn't dominate possession, you know, hold a decent formation and kind of stay unified because it felt like the team hadn't really been playing as a, as a full eleven um, over the last few games. It was nice to see them kind of become more sturdy and and in. As Greg wrote in his one of his pieces recently, you know, the team kind of had a bit of team bonding and went out for a meal and and maybe that was kind of what they needed to kind of become kind of reaffirmed with each other and, and pull out such a positive performance. He said it at the start, Greg. The fullbacks weren't quite bombing on as much as they have done in previous weeks. McGinn and Ramsey were able to play more as midfielders. There was a slight change in formation from Steve and Gerrard as well, pairing Ings and uh, Watkins together with Coutinho floating around behind them. It's good to have that extra option because we were saying about the 4-3-3 become a little bit predictable. So it's good that he's switched up that front three a little bit and changed it around in the, in the way that they play. But John McGinn had a really, really good game. And it does feel that if John McGinn has a good game, Villa have got a great chance of winning. Yeah, I mean, McGinn was by far the standout player. Um, thought Matt Cash did well and, and took his yeah, goal well. Um, we, we talk about the fullbacks not bombing on too much, but it's funny that, that Cash was actually the one who got the goal first, wasn't he? But it was a much more um, pragmatic approach, shall we say, from the from the fullbacks. They, they protected the back two. Um, a little bit more. Thought Douglas Louise did okay. Just picked up uh, picked up a booking early on, and then started to give the ball away a little bit in the second half. So it was obvious that that the change was going to be made. We've no Carney Chipmaker on the bench. It, it meant that Morgan Sanson came on. So good for him to get some minutes because we hadn't seen him since the Man United era um, in, in the middle of January. But yeah, McGinn was excellent. Thought he thought he showed great energy, great enthusiasm. Um, picked out his passes well. Um, and just generally led by example in the midfield. And as you say, Dan, every time McGinn plays well, Villa typically go on to win the game. So I know that's I know it's unfair on John McGinn to to expect him to play well every week. It's it's really difficult to reach those levels in the Premier League. But hopefully, um, we can see a bit more from Villa because we know the, the patterns that follow when he does play well. And Greg and I, Holly, we spoke about the consistency of Matty Cash last week and lo and behold it's him that opens up the scoring really really good strike not renowned for his goal scoring but a lovely lovely strike from 25-30 yards but actually before that he made two really key defensive contributions as well he's up there with Ramsey as probably Villa's most consistent performer this season he's, he's just a really good player to have in the team isn't he? Cash for me has to be up there with, with Villa's top three players so far this season um his decision making in knowing when to go up and kind of helping the attacking front, but also then his ability to track back so well. Like watching him makes me tired because he just cannot 
he doesn't stop running for the whole game and for him to get the goal that I think he really deserved in terms of how much effort he's put into recent performances. And he clearly backed himself to get a goal because obviously he wrote that really mm. endearing message on his shirt. I said that to shirt, my dad. So. I said, when you've only scored one goal for Villa, it's, it's brave to get the message on the t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, he must have kind of had that in his mindset that this is the game where I show, you know, prove to people who might have been doubting him and, and recent defensive performances just how important he is to Villa. So um, I... Thought the goal was excellent to, to hit the inside of the post like that and then uh, go into the back of the net was was very satisfying and I think it came at the right time to kind of give Villa that confidence because I feel like at the time in which he scored was around the time when Villa can start to doubt themselves and start to kind of lose possession more and and kind of lose the game so uh, massive congrats to Cash, Cash on getting another goal for Villa. He's a shining example as well for for players in the Championship. You know, people who who think that well. If if you're doing well in the Championship, um, it's a completely different level in the Premier League. Yeah, of course it's a step up, but it shows that there are quality players in the Championship that that if given the chance, they can move into the Premier League and perform well. And you know, I just think Cash is the perfect example for that. And Villa have got a couple of players, haven't they? You know, Watkins mm-hmm. has come in and scored 20 Premier League goals in in two seasons already, stepping up from the Championship. Esri Konza hadn't played a, a Premier League minute until he came to Villa and showed clearly that that he's um, more than capable of performing uh, well at this level. So it just shows, I think, that um, there is talent out there. They just need the opportunity. Toro Mings as well. You know, he didn't play much Premier League football, went on loan to Villa in the Championship. And since then, his career has absolutely skyrocketed. I think Martinez had a fair few loans in the Championship not that long ago as well. And as you say, Watkins, Buendia, been signed from the Championship as well. You know, so the Championship's you know, yielded a lot of players for Aston Villa who've played really well for us over the last few seasons. Greg, it was Watkins who came in for Buendere and it was Watkins who scored the second goal. Probably not his best game, but when he scored, you could just see the relief in his face. And after that, you felt like he was buzzing around like the old Ollie Watkins. And even the goal, that's the Watkins I remember from last season. I expect him now to go on a little run. Uh, you know, whether he scores immediately on Saturday, we'll see. But I expect the next few games it will yield a few goals. I think that he's a player who who needs to be confident. To, to he's not really had over the last four or five seasons um, a run of of games where he hadn't scored. You know, he's just so used to playing every week and scoring. Um, so that little run that he was on previous uh, previous to the Brighton game was probably getting to him a little bit. You know, he might have been listening to Villa fans saying, criticising him, um, saying that, you know, he's not the same player as he was last season. I was trying to write in my reportings that he maybe just needs a bit of a, a bit of encouragement. You know, these players who, who have done so well for Villa previously, um, quite quick to turn on them sometimes when, when they don't perform well, you know, every single week. Um think you could see from his celebration what it meant to him the goal so I think he just needs that little bit of encouragement because he's a really good player for Villa and he's done well he did exceptionally well last season and there's only two players um, over the last couple of years who've scored only two English players who've scored more goals than him um, and that's Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy so shows the level that he's that he's performing at. Yeah I'll be honest I've, I've asked questions of him the last few weeks on this podcast I mean I guess that's what we are we are here to do Holly when he scored, he was like beating his chest and saying, but shouting, kind of believing me to, to the Villa fans. Sometimes when you're on a bad run, I suppose you can get carried away with things and these players are are only human. No one goes out to have a bad game. He's not been doing it, but he's bounced back and now, like Greg says, hopefully he can go on that run. Yeah, definitely. I kind of feel bad for strikers in general because when you're not 
winning games, the all of obviously the kind of blame goes towards the strikers because it should be them that's scoring the goals and, and you know, getting the results for for their team. And again, I don't from memory, it's not the longest run of games where Watkins hasn't scored since joining Favilla. I think that was last season. Yeah, ten um, games last season, I think. Yeah. But yeah, he was still doing all the, I felt like he was doing all the other things last season yeah. when he was on that barren run. It didn't feel like the other things were there in this run. Yeah, but I, in my opinion, watching Watkins last few weeks, it kind of felt like he was almost getting quite frustrated in terms of, I don't think his mindset in terms of how to press from the front was matching the mindset of Coutinho's and Buendia's. And it probably felt like he probably felt a little bit isolated up there in terms of trying to press and, and win back possession as high up as possible. But with, with Ings at Brighton on, on the weekend, you know, Ings was matching the level of energy that Watkins was putting in as well. And I think that probably helped him feel a bit more in unison with the team and less disconnect and and as a result of that it paid off with with Villa getting a goal and winning the back winning the ball back at the right time so I'm like I agree with Greg I think this will be a really good kind of stepping stone for Watkins to press on and and score a few goals because ultimately he is a confidence player and, and goals are important for him yeah I, th- I think Ollie makes a, a really good point there I think probably the first time that Ings and Watkins have really worked together as a pair um, not necessarily in terms of direct linking up um, it was the tenth time that they played together you know this season and, and more often than not it hasn't worked but I just think the whole bigger picture with the two of them playing um, it was the right decision because the two of them worked the socks off all game and it gave the defence um, you know about three of Brighton real real issues um, and they got in so many times I think you know between them Coutinho did work hard did a lot off the ball and I think justified his place ahead of Buendia. I felt genuinely sorry for Buendia because I think he's been probably one of Villa's more productive players in recent weeks. Um, but it, but Gerard did get his decision right. And, and just one final one on Watkins. Um, Gerard pulled him aside last week and, and after he had dropped him, um, you know, for the previous game and just said, look, I still believe in you. Um, you know, forget the outside noise. Stop listening to it. You know, we believe in you here at Villa. Um, you're going to go on and, and 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 do great things still in the future. And and it was good. You know, there was a good reaction from him, and his goal proved that. Do you think that Watkins and Ings thing is a, is a long term thing for the rest of the season? Or do you think it was a one off for the Brighton game? Because actually, I think when you're playing against a back three. Sometimes having a lone frontman, it's a difficult job. But having the two there, it would have took one. It would have took Brian by surprise, I suspect. But it's it's that extra man up against the back three pressing. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I don't think we're going to see Buendia sitting on the bench for for the, for the rest of the season. Put it that way. Um, I think there will be changes. I think the Brighton game there was a specific game plan. It was to try and get like kind of round the outside of the of the centre backs, um, and that that worked really well because Watkins was going one side, Ings was going the other. Coutinho was dropping from in, from the middle position into the left and, and sort of mixing it up there. Um, and I just think out of possession, Villa worked really hard and, and kind of mastered the plan that um, that they'd clearly worked on in the week. But yeah, I think going forward, I think Coutinho, Ings and, and Watkins will, will be the three. Um, but but I certainly don't foresee Buendia being on the bench for long. Let's quickly just hear what Ollie Watkins did have to say after the game. Yeah, obviously it's a tough place to come. You know, they had majority of the ball... It was a grind from the team, but, you know, we, we got 2-0 again at home. We grinded it out and we knew it would be a difficult place to come and get three points after, you know, a, a, a sticky patch during the season. So, you know, all credit to the boys. We dug in and, um, and we got what we deserved. Obviously, I needed that, I think. Um, like the team, we haven't, we haven't been performing great, but uh, individually, you know, I expect a lot more from myself and I think other people do as well. So, um, yeah, it's nice that I got a goal and hopefully it's the first of 
many now and good things to come. I think, you know, off the ball, being good off the ball is, is um, a big thing for us because on the ball, you know, we've got amazing, amazing talent. And, um, you know, when people like Coutinho get on the ball, um, it's easy uh, for players like me and Ingzi to just make runs in it and he'll find us. So, you know, it's still, it's still new and um, we're trying to gel together and, and, and get more strong performances like, like today. Danny Ings' former team, Southampton, next holiday. But I've got not a great record against Southampton, although at least I suppose this time Danny Ings isn't going to score against... I mean, I suppose he could score an own goal, so I've absolutely given it the kiss <laughs> of death there, but Danny Ings has scored a hatful of goals against Villa in recent seasons. Unfortunately, James Ward-Prowse is still at Southampton and not at Villa Park, but it's, it's going to be a really tough game because they're one of the form teams. Yeah, I mean, Southampton in ninth, you know, kind of where Villa were hoping to be at this time in the season and and they're obviously going to be looking to try and contest Wolves for kind of a European place. So, you know, they'll have a lot of drive when they when they play against us and, you know, I'm assuming a lot of the, the players will not want Ings to return to his former club and, and score against them either. So I think there'll be a really good kind of grudge match almost, even though, you know, I think Ings did leave Southampton on good terms, um, even though that deal was obviously quite surprising. I really hope that Ings starts, uh, one, because I think him and Watkins did play really well together and I'd really like to continue to see that kind of partnership blossom. However, you know, you, you mentioned before, do we see them play together in the starting eleven more frequently? Uh, while you want the answer to be yes, you know, both of them were put in an absolute shift on the weekend and, and can both of them keep up those fitness levels for the rest of the season remains kind of in doubt, I guess. So, you know, who will Villa rely on if both or one of them have to come off will be interesting. But I think Southampton will be really interesting, like you said, very similar to Brighton. I think if we can go with the same energy levels as what we did at the Amex, then, then I think the ball is definitely in Villa's court to win the game. I think Ings is going to be so pumped up for the game as well, having missed the last one. Um, you know, it would have been really frustrating for him to, to miss the game at St Mary's and, and obviously a terrible, terrible performance and, and quite further consequences for Villa after that game. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Ings giving it a really good go. I'm just not looking forward to seeing Prowsey because he always seems to have a good game against Villa with those set pieces. Two direct free kicks he scored from last season at Villa Park, didn't he? Um, unbelievable technique, really good player. And he's on good form at the moment. I think he's one of the form players in the Premier League at, at the moment as well. But like Pep Guardiola said, Greg, it'll be a good game because both teams will attack. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it. It might be a unique opportunity to see uh, two teams with, with two strikers. You know, I think mm. with with, with uh, Adams and um, Breuer uh, should be interesting. Um, and then obviously Ings and Watkins for Villa. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that one, to be fair. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
we're now going to delve into Greg's lead article of the week. But if you want to read it yourself, and you really should, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months. To do that, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod. You'll then get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Sign up now. Greg, the floor is yours. Big reset. <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, yeah, I think it was just a bit of time for, for Villa to sort of let their hair down, really. You know, Gerard sensed that um, the players needed a bit of a change of pace. You know, didn't sometimes in football, you can overtrain and you can just keep working on things and drilling the players, you know, for day after day. Um, and it doesn't always have a positive effect. You know, Gerard thought... It's, little, it's time to step off it. Let's try and bring the group together a bit, do some social activities, um, uh, you know, just, just discuss things away from football and just let the players relax a little bit. So the early part of last week, they did that um, and then obviously returned back to, to proper training um, later in the week. Um, and, and from speaking to people there, there was a real spring in the step. Uh, and, and then obviously went and had a very good performance at Brighton. So sometimes that, change of pace does work and it seems to have done it for Villa yeah and you've been writing about Morgan Sanson as well lovely French accent for myself there lovely lovely yeah um yeah, getting a bit of stick actually for in in the comments section and and from some from and from some subscribers and, and Villa fans saying that um, I've I've got it in for for Sanson now um, certainly haven't you know I'd, I'd love to write something positive about him but unfortunately for for the the thirteen fourteen months that he's been at the club there hasn't really been anything positive to say and you know a year on from him signing we're still at the stage where we're thinking why was he signed. You know, let's be honest, this was a player that came in for £14 million. And at the time, we thought he could play in maybe one of the number eight positions. But we still haven't seen what he can offer to bring something different to the to the team. I mean, is he any better than McGinn or Ramsey? I don't think so. Is he a bit better defensive midfielder than Louise? We haven't seen that yet. Yes, he's been unlucky with injuries. But I was just trying to explain in the article that he's probably running out of time now to to um, to, to 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 perform and, and and impress at Villa because Marvellous Nakamba will be back um, in April, hopefully. Carney Chukwemeka um, missed the last game through injury, but won't be ruled out for a long period. And I think the only reason Sanson was called upon first at the weekend was because there were no other senior midfielders on the bench. And Villa want to get another midfielder yeah. as well in the summer. So, you know, it's going to be a really difficult task for him because you'd expect McGinn and, and Ramsey to kick on even further. I'm not sure why you're getting stick in, in the comments. I, I read it yesterday. I thought it was quite reasonable what, what you were saying. We all, we all want him to do well, but Holly, quite simply, it hasn't really clicked for him at all. No, not at all. Um, I, I think Greg kind of hit the nail on the head with the piece, actually, as well. Um, I think it's hard to analyse a player when, when he's not playing and when he does, there's not much to show for it. I think, yes, during Brighton, when he came on as a substitute, he did show a lot of positive energy and you could see that attacking mindset he had when, arguably, Steven Gerrard probably wanted him to sit back more and, and kind of help out see, help see out the win. Um, but, you know, I think what's going to be really interesting for Villa over the next few months is they'll they'll have to make a decision. Do they Are they going to be able to sell him on for a profit in the summer? In my mind, I don't think so right now because he's not got a lot to show for it. And obviously Villa have, you know, become more savvy with, with how they sell on players and how they make profit um, as a business. So do we maybe see him go out on loan and try and prove himself elsewhere and then come back with the final stages of his contract left at Villa and, and then try and impress um 
because it's easy to forget that he's, he's going to be at Villa until 2025. So there's a lot of time left to go for him. So it'll be really interesting, especially with Villa again next season. They'll be wanting to 100% push for, for European places under Steven Gerrard. And in my mind right now, Morgan Sanson doesn't fit the bill for that. Yeah, if I was a betting man, I'd say back back in France on loan next season. That's the way I see it going. Let's just throw back to when he did join and hear what he had to say to Villa Tova. Sorry for my English, but uh, I'm really happy to be here uh, today. Uh, I'm very proud to join the, the family Aston Villa. And uh, for the future, I hope, uh, I hope we, we make uh, great uh, things together. When Aston Villa... Uh, for me, I, I don't uh, think about a uh, long time. It was the best uh, opportunity for me and for my career. So I accept the challenge uh, directly. Four, five, six uh, weeks ago, uh, I began to, to watch the team uh, very, very hard. Uh, in December, uh, when, when we talked uh, uh, with uh, the club, and uh, I love the team, I love the spirit. Uh, I'm a warrior and uh, I like uh, when all the players run for the, for the team, run for the club and uh, I appreciate uh, to, to watch the game because uh, it's, a, it's a good football. It was a dream to, to join the Premier League. Uh, since I'm a little guy, little boy, I saw the, the, the game and I like the, the intensity, uh, all of the Premier League and for me it was a dream. And I'm very proud to, to join the Premier League and Aston Villa. When you listen to that, it's quite sad, isn't it? Because clearly he was so uh, pumped up to join Villa and, and, and move to the Premier League and, and get started. And you expected him to hit the ground running. OK, Villa signed him probably six months in advance because they thought they could get a cheaper deal for him. But £14 million still a lot of money for someone coming from the French League at that point in time when, the, when there wasn't much money in the French League. And, and maybe Phil had waited into, until the summer. They might have got him for even cheaper. But um, the, the issue is when, when a new player comes to uh, a new league and he doesn't settle in straight away and he doesn't hit the ground running... The pressure's always on then, and and that that's what it feels like for Sansan. It's it's thirteen months on now, and it's it's really hard to sort of find some momentum when he's been at the club for quite a long period already. I will say he came in at quite a, a bitty time for the club. It was just before Jack got injured, and then we went on a run of just being really stodgy for weeks. Couldn't really string any wins together. Couldn't string a consistent team selection together. We weren't playing well, so there are some mitigating circumstances. You wrote in your piece actually, Greg, that. In France, he'd never been injured. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, feels like he's injured all the time. There, he, look, he, he had obviously some injuries, but um, the majority he was very, he was known as a very durable player. You mm. know, he played sort of every week, um, performed quite well every week as well, and um, chipped in quite a few goals. So yeah, it was disappointing for him. He, he's gone from playing in the Champions League um, at Marseille to you know competing in in, in Ligue 1. Um, to, to just not really featuring in the Premier League. So, disappointing for him. Yeah, maybe we'll get a run at the, at the end of the season. Villa aren't going to go down. Villa aren't going to get into Europe. So, you know, there might be a chance to give a few players a little bit of football that we haven't seen much of towards the end of the season.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to other news then. And the first bit on the agenda is the fact that I went to Stoke on Wednesday last week for a scouting mission. What a terrible game of football. And it is very, very cold at Stoke, I will say. But it's a little bit like a like a Villa reunion because Neil Cutler was there watching Jed Stare. I saw Mille Yednak, who we've interviewed on this podcast before. I was just as scared of him in person as I was when we interviewed him, Greg. And then also, you know, obviously the former Villa players on the pitch. I will say James Bree for Luton had a good game. He was probably one of the standout performers on the pitch. Was it? Yeah. I mean, look, you know, he was always he was always expected to do well, and nice to see him getting an opportunity now and sort of enjoying his football again. Yeah. I mean, I went there to watch Steer and Badice. Badice got dragged on fifty minutes. Stoke were really, really poor, really, like really bad. I, I think that you know that's what he's there for. That that is why he's in the championship. Um, I think to get uh, to earn a championship move for your first low move shows the level that you're at um, and I think he's, just, he's learning isn't he you know he, he hasn't got the academy upbringing that, that many other players have so he's still developing and he's still quite raw he's somebody who you know is really brave on the ball always wants to go at his play, go at his um, fallback sometimes it's not going to work and, and, and this is where he's trying to iron out the creases in his game and hopefully he'll return back to Villa a much better player Lovely cakes at full time at Stoke. That was my biggest takeaway from the from the game. Lovely. The, the cakes. biggest takeaway from Stoke is is just how cold it is. It, it was never cold. ever warm. <laughs> it's always so so cold. I presume you were in a box as well, Dan. So no, you I was outside. <laughs> I was like, well, I was outside watching the game. When I was watching the game, I was cold. Yeah, yeah. I was it's in the freezing there. Suite. It's weird, weird place. It's just so bloody cold. One of my favourite expressions in football is, "Can you do it in a cold night at Stoke?" And I, it just it does always live up to it what, it. what it says, it is. It's just always freezing. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I was sat in the middle of two people in the first half and felt relatively warm and then we had a little bit of a switch of formation in the second half and I ended up on the outside and I tell you what not being in the middle of two people that's when that's when the coldness really kicked in for me I'm surprised they didn't roll out the hot water bottles and the blankets for you you know in, in the VIP areas <laughs> there was none of that let me no? tell you absolutely yeah, okay. none you have, at to, all. have to have a word with the uh, communications director then yeah See if, I mean, see if you I've, can step it up a bit. I mean, I was talking to you yesterday on the phone, Greg, about some, about something else, and a sign that you're like the Grim Reaper of Midlands football. Stoke are pretty depressing at the moment as well. You could do a piece on them. It was so despondent. Yeah, they're, they're not performing very well. A, a friend of mine's a Stoke fan, and um, we were messaging during the uh, Brighton Brighton Villa game last week, and, and Stoke went one 0 up against Bournemouth, and he said, "What you watch will lose two one," and they did. Um, they're 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 going through a bad time. In other news, Josh Feeney opened the scoring for the under-23s, but ultimately Villa were beaten by a runaway PL2 division leaders, Fulham. Fulham going well in the Championship and going well in the PL2 as well. Got some questions from our subscribers and listeners. The first one's from Rob W. Any idea on what Gerard and co would rate as a successful end to the season? Getting top 10 in the table seems unrealistic now, so that's the first part of his question, Greg. Is top 10 completely unrealistic? I don't think it is. I don't think it is unrealistic. I think, yeah, Villa have got some tough games coming up after after this um, after this next 11-day uh, period. If they can get if they can get 
six if they can get six to nine points against um, Leeds against sorry Southampton Leeds and West Ham I think they've got a chance um, if they're anything less and I think you know top ten is going to be difficult because they have got some really tough games coming up um, but that is what Gerard will class as a decent season now finishing in the top ten because Villa haven't done it for over a decade so um, if they can do it uh, look I mean look if, if if they can do it if they can get into the top ten. Which, which I do think is a, is a difficult task. It's, it is going to be hard. But if they can get into the top 10 after having two really, really, really bad runs in the season and changing a manager halfway through, it just shows that there is hope next season that they can put yeah. it right and get into Europe. Because think how many think how many setbacks they've had this season. Yeah. They? They lost Jack Grealish at the start of the season. It's, it's, it's very, very rare that, that a club who are middle to low ranked in the Premier League um, lose their best player and get better the following season so they're up against it from the start then they go and have that horrible run under Dean Smith and uh, and Dean, Dean loses his job so there's a little bit of a change there Gerard had the period after Christmas where he won just one game in seven which is you know tough when you when you're trying to chase a top after um, finish so there's three real big setbacks there. And if they can finish in the top 10, just think if they can eradicate maybe two or one or two of those setbacks next season, there is a real good chance of pushing on to Europe. What would you be happy with, Holler? I, I think, like Greg said, I'd, I'd be happy and I th- still think that top 10 is is realistic. I mean, 8th, 9th and 10th, Villa all have a game in hand over Wolves, Southampton and Brighton. And they're only three points off Brighton who are in 10th currently. So... I mean, obviously, having a game in hand doesn't mean you automatically get those three points and, and move up the table. But I think having that game in hand to to utilise at some point in the season will be key for Villa, and and they'll know that when that time comes. So, I think I think ninth or tenth in my mind is is definitely still doable. Granted, obviously, it depends on other teams' performances, any key injuries that any other people pick up. But I definitely think it's doable. And again, kind of the similar way to when Dean Smith came in, like. Villa and Dean Smith just needed time together to kind of get a good run of form. And I think that same kind of thing applies to Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa. And I think come to the end of the season, they'll be they'll be in the in the right form. They need to be ready for kind of finishing in the top half this season and then pushing on to European places in the next season. I'd like to catch Wolves. Completely unrealistic. But I would I'm not I'm not sold on Wolves. I, I know they've had a I know they've had a decent run, but I think they're winging it a little bit. It's never been convincing. Yeah, I think the think the last look, the 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 change, the complete Transformation of the of two team seasons was the three three uh, the three two win for Wolves. I wish it was three if, three. If, if if it had gone any other way, I'm I'm pretty sure Villa would be ahead of of Wolves now because that was a real turning point. Wall, uh, Villa went on a horrible run after that, and it's a game. It was a it was a defeat at the time where I said that's a game that can really ruin a season because I seen it I seen it with Villa at Leicester in 2015 16. Um, when when they were two 0 up and lost three two, Villa went horrible after that. Um, and I said at the time when when they gave it away, you know, to, to concede three goals in nine minutes or whatever it was, um, and then lose. But for, it had the flip, the, the opposite effect for for Wolves. They really kicked on and and found a, a sort of belief. And and Jimenez came back and scored a couple of goals. Doesn't quite look the same player. Um, but I'm I'm just I'm not sold on Wolves yet. I think Villa. I think Villa can beat them when they play them next and, and hopefully catch them. Yeah, I'd had a year off mind the gap tweets, but they've slowly started creeping back in as the season's gone on. Um, Rob also asks about Coutinho, Greg. 
do you think the club is still pursuing or are going to pursue a permanent deal? Are there any clubs, other clubs looking at him? Well, I think Villa have got the option, obviously, if they want to sign him. You know, if they decide that they definitely want him, then then they can sign him. So um, that's where they'll go from there. But I think they'll still be looking over the next few months and, and deciding, you know, if, if they feel that he's definitely the right man to take them forward next year. I think he, think he started all right, hasn't he? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want him. I think it helps that we've got the South American contingent as well. I felt like that might be a fact they were all together at work there on one of the days off recently. I can't remember where they'd gone now. I want to say Drayton Manor or Thomas Land or somewhere like that. They'd, they'd all gone with their families together. So I think having that strong South American contingent, I think it does help. Buendia, Martinez, Louise at the moment as well. Certainly, yeah. I mean, you know, having Louise there was a, was a big thing. You know, somebody who, who Coutinho you know, could, could uh, relate to straight away. And, and Coutinho spoke to a lot of his old Liverpool teammates and, and asked about Aston Villa, you know, what are they like now? Um, what, what's it like living in, in the area, etc.? So I think he's quite happy at the moment. Yeah, Richard N is asking about Tim Arogbenham after his fleeting cameo on Saturday. Greg, did he pass the, the Greg Evans eye test in, in the ground? I thought he showed some nice little touches in the brief time he was on. Yeah, yeah, did well. Come, a, a perfect game to come into, you know, 2-0 up. Um, Villa pretty much cruising. Um, a little bit of pressure on him because obviously if Brighton had scored, then, you know, the, the, the Villa, Villa would have been up against it. So, um, he, you know, he had to sort of have his wits about him and, and make sure he stopped any attacks. But yeah, I think he did well. Felt a little bit sorry for him in, in the previous weeks because he hadn't been able to get on Ade for, for a while. But uh, but yeah, he finally got his he finally got his appearance. Yeah, and finally, just before we do go, producer trying to absolutely dig me out in the script, Holly, saying that I keep promising to go to a Villa women's game. It is coming. I don't think it will be tonight, but the best got against Everton, but a good chance to get three points, Holly. Yeah, it's it's quite weird because Villa played Everton kind of before kind of the international break where it, uh, England went and won the Arnold Clark Cup, and that's where Hannah Hampton made her England debut. Um, and they So they're kind of playing Everton back-to-back in the league. Um, and obviously they beat Everton before the international break. So I definitely think it's doable for them to pick up another three points against an Everton team who kind of look a bit inconsistent and a bit shaky. So I, it's definitely worth a watch if, if people have nothing on tonight and, and want to go and support them. Um, I guess probably the most interesting game, uh, Dan, that uh, I, I definitely want to try and get to it right at the end of the season is, is Villa take on Birmingham in the final game of the season. Um, the best got. Send them down. I, I think so. I think oh, so. Um, oh, they could already that. be relegated by... By that time, um, obviously they've had a really rough season and it could be potentially the first time Birmingham City are knocked out of the top flight of the Women's League, which would obviously, it would be sad to see because they've been a real pioneer for the women's game. But obviously we want Villa to win in this in this podcast. So it was definitely a good game and maybe, maybe we maybe we go together, Dan. Not an invite. Thanks, Holly. Yeah, let's do it. Greg, do you want to come as well? Let's let's go. Let's, 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 have, go. A, let's have a, let's have a, uh, a good day out, shall we? Producer Ola, he, he, do you want to come as well? I feel, like we, I feel like we have to invite him now. We've invited everyone else. <laughs> no, he doesn't want to come. Okay, fine. He's a Newcastle fan. Absolutely giving it the big one recently since they've picked up for him. He was so sombre and down a few weeks ago. Now he's absolutely buzzing because Newcastle are flying. That does us for this week's edition of 1874. Don't forget it's just £1 per month for your first six months of The Athletic when you sign up at theathletic.com slash villapod. We'll be back next week. Maybe we can talk about two wins in a row. I feel like that's been unheard of this season, but there's every chance Villa do get three points against Southampton at the weekend, despite them being one of the form teams. Have a good rest of the week. Enjoy any football that you're watching and up the Villa.
The Athletic.